Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Let's pray this morning first thing. Pray and ask God to touch us, to be with us, and hallelujah, touch us and touch our pastor while he's away and I pray that the Lord's bless them and brother and sister Boyd and help them this week. And Paul talked about the care of the churches being upon him. So I just, I pray that this time has been beneficial to them, that it's helped to get away and refresh and just be a strength to them. And not only that, to just help them uh, give them insight for us. And I believe it has. Hallelujah. Praise God. We welcome each and every one of you here. Our purpose, our sole purpose is to be in God's house, to feel his presence, to hear from him. Hallelujah. I just so love coming to this place. tell you this when we used to live right over here we lived there for five years at times I would get up I literally got up at three o'clock in the morning and come over here in this house I know this is a spiritual place and when I've told you, when I come in them doors, I don't need to listen with these. I listen with this. And I've come over here and people says this is a spooky place. It's not a spooky place. Something's bothering me. I'm going to the temple. I'm going where I know God speaks. And I've come over here in the middle of the night right by myself and come in here. I've marked it from where I'm at to here. I know through the tents. I know to the tents of a mile how far it is to here. So when I come in here, I'm listening. So this is our sole purpose to come in here and hear what thus saith the Lord would have to say. Not hear what I'm going to say. Hear what thus saith the Lord would have to say. So hallelujah. Let's pray for God's will to be done. God, I thank you today. I love and I praise you. I thank you that your word. Oh God. I love you, holy God. And I thank you that your word's going to endure forever. God, that your presence is so real. Your kindness is so great. So I ask you right now to touch each and every heart and life, Lord God, as we enter in this wonderful house, that I know there's nothing that you can't conquer. There's no enemy, God, that can overcome us, that I know you are the great one, Lord God. You are the healer of the broken. You are the one. You are the soul mender, God. You are the one that can touch the troubled mind, the feeble spirit, Lord God. I ask you right now to touch us, to strengthen us, Lord God, to touch our hearts and our minds and our souls, Lord God. Touch us this day, God. Strengthen us. Bind us together as one for our sole purpose, Lord God, is to feed off of your spirit, God, I pray, and to give you praise and honor and glory due to your name. I love you, holy God. 
You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I didn't mean to keep you standing that long. I just want to speak. I want to speak today. I'll just go ahead and give you my title. I want to just, for title's sake, I just want to title it The Holy Lamb. But where I want to go to, if you want to turn or just follow on the screen, I want to go to 1 Peter in his writings. And my thought today is going to be a collection of two thoughts actually put together. But where I want to start here is in 1 Peter in his writings. And he's just talking in to the church. We just, it's really almost... Not that I find myself in a dilemma, but sometimes I almost feel like I am. And it's we have the Christian world, so to speak, and, and all I know is just to be me. I just, I can't be nobody else. That's all I know to be is me. And I mean... from. from a long time ago to the person that used to do this job and I call it a job and I don't mean it as a job but Carol Ward the man that used to do this I just said I can't do that I can't follow him because if you knew Carol Ward my lord not only was he was a marine he was an apostolic marine. And I said, I can't, I can't follow him. So I just said, you know, I, just, I, I can't do that. I just got to be me. And I guess the complaints that I did get, I did get two complaints in a good way. Two women come to me and just said, Brother Rayleigh, we love what you have to say, but we just can't hear you. <laughs> And I said, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take them complaints. But um, just so I just said, you know, God bless Brother Ward. He just was so, man, I, ca I always called him, and I always have, and I have, I, and I have to him a fire-breathing dragon. I mean, he just went after it. I mean, he just, he just went after it. And I just said, that's, that's just not my nature. I, I'm just, that's just not my nature. But uh, he was so kind and good. I said, but me. And what I'm getting at is the dilemma I almost find myself in is we find the church world today that I believe has pushed grace so far till it's disgrace. And what I mean by that, and here is the dilemma that I find myself in. Never do I want to find myself saying that I do not believe in grace, for I do. I believe in grace to the fullest extent of my heart. I will always believe in grace. God has given us grace to meet every need because, face it, I am flesh and blood. I am prone to mistakes. I will fail. I will fail before the Lord comes. But God has given us grace to overcome every need. Every time something comes in my life, God has given me grace. But then the world has took that and run as flesh would have it to just every end possible. Just says, do what you want, say what you want, go do anything you want as long as you say, God, forgive me. But there is consequences. This Bible says, for whatever you sow, that you shall reap. And I have always said, don't quit thinking that in the negative. Think that in the positive. For if you will sow to the good, then you shall reap good. For this Bible is true. It is The promises are true, good and bad. So it, there, that's where I find myself in dilemma because they, if you say anything about grace, they said, but you shall not judge. That's the one scripture everybody knows. You shouldn't judge me. And I understand that. And I'm not trying to be nobody's judge. But this is the judge. This is the judge that's going to judge. And we're not trying to be nobody's judge. I'm not given the authority to be nobody's judge. But this is the judge. And God said to us, and, and, and many times, take heed that no man deceive you. 
That's why to the, the jails and the prisons that we go to, I've looked them men in the eyes and say, you don't take what I'm telling you as gospel. You take this as gospel. For it, this Bible says, take heed that no man deceive you. And don't you get so in love with someone telling you something that you don't back it up with this. This is your safety net. This is what will not go wrong. You can be so in love with somebody that you trust them to the nth degree that they can fall out and lead you wrong and then you never back it up with this and you be led wrong. And I know we don't, I know that cuts close and that cuts hard, but I'm saying we got to take it. Your soul's at stake. Your family's soul's is at stake. That's why God told us, take heed that no man deceive you. Now, do I love my pastor? Of course, I've said that. I'm, I'm very clear on that. But I'm telling you, this is our safety net. This will not go wrong. This will be right. That's why that we have it. And that's why that, that, that's why that if you say anything against anything of anybody that's doing, you're just, you're just meddling. You're just, you shouldn't be doing that. Nothing's wrong. Everything's okay. And you're just one of the old fogies that just believes everything is wrong. And, and you just, you, people has just been, just been fed this on and on and on for so much that they believe nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. And if you say anything against anybody or anything, then you're just labeled, well, you don't believe in nothing. You just believe everything is wrong. You believe drinking water is wrong. And we think, where did you get all this? You have sat on a pew. And you have been fed this. And you've not looked yourself in the word of God to find out what you have been fed is wrong. And you have been fed and fed and fed. And you had backed it up with this. That what you have been fed is sending you a place that you don't want to go. And they just saying, no, you're wrong. And if she said, I'm not your judge. Let me turn it around to you. I'm not your judge. But this is your judge. We don't want to seem harsh at all. But at times, we got to just stick our feet in the ground and say, look, this is going to be the judge. God's going to take this book, look you in the eye and say, this day, this time, right now, this is what you're going to be judged out of. That's why he said, take heed that no man deceive you. That's why I'll always say it till they put me in the ground or God comes. This is our safety net. This will not lead us wrong. This is our strength. This is our hope. This is our peace. This we can rely on. It will not lead us wrong. It is our hope and it is our peace. So let's go with 1 Peter. And I want to start at the, first, at the 13th verse. So if you have it, let's just look at it. This is Apostle Peter and he says it like this. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober to the hope of the grace that is to be and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. 15 says, But he that which is called you is holy, so be ye holy in all matter of conversation. And 16 says, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Now he says, Gird up the loins of your mind. Now we know this image goes all the way back to when they ate Passover. It's where this image is taken from. The Passover, that their clothes or garments they, that they had was loose, wrapped over. And, and Moses told them, gird up your garment. Other words, don't let nothing loose. Other words, we would say it like this. Don't let nothing hinder you. Take your garment and wrap it up tight. Don't let nothing, other words, you eat this Passover, take your garment, gather it all up. Don't let nothing be in your way. When God says, and when Moses tells, when God tells Moses and Moses tells God's people it's time to leave, it's time to leave. Don't let nothing hinder you, in other words. It's going to be time to go. And Peter told us, gird up the loins, take control of your own mind. As our pastor so says it, and jokingly, but makes a point, we can't help. This is an ungodly world we live in. You can't help what walks in front of you. But if you circle the block and come back again, You've just turned loose the loins of your mind. He says, gird up the loins of your mind. Take control of your mind. Just as Job says, I've made a covenant with my eyes. So he's talking about the eyes. In other words, gird up the loins of your mind. And he's talking about this. When they went to this, it was not to impede the motion. And they was. They, they have their mind collected. And, and don't let the allurements of the world, the attractions of the world, just 
uh, to, to impede them or slow them down, they was to do this. They was to, he said, be sober. In other words, he was saying, stay focused. Stay focused on your walk. Don't let nothing in life get in the way. And it's so easy. It is so easy. And it's just one earthly example. That's why I said when it was very easy when God brought Eve to Adam. It was easy for Adam to love her. That's why I said it's not hard for me to love my wife. But when you throw life in the mix, then it gets complicated. But. If you stay focused on this, and it's soon, soon, it's going to make a long time for us, and I won't tell you how long because it's fixing to be due, but if you stay focused on it, all the life can come to it that, that wants to. If you stay focused on your marriage and stay focused on your wife, it's still easy for me to love my wife. And then, but what about all the other stuff? The other stuff wants to point you in other directions and pull and just like anything else. And on our Christian life, they said, and sometimes, I mean, we're, we're, we're just flesh and blood. We're just human. We just walk in this Christian life. Paul said, gird up the Lord Jesus nine, be sober, be focused. Other words, have your goal. Don't let nothing obstruct you from your goal. There's going to be walking. There's going to be ailments. There's going to be pressures of life that's going to be put on us. And then all of a sudden, your focus is just like uh, I've um, done a, a lot of construction work. And when we look through, we, we always talk about somebody touching your, uh, we, I've laid out a lot of houses. And you look through a tripod long ago before they had um, lasers. You look through a tripod and somebody bumps the laser or, or bumps the tripod, how the, the laser get, or the tripod gets out of focus. And it's like that way in life, Christian life, somebody, when you're looking through life, all of a sudden somebody bumps it a little bit, it gets blurred for a moment till it comes back. Well, our Christian walk is that way. Sometimes it just, <laughs> our focus, something hits us, and all of a sudden we just can't focus. Everything gets out of focus for a while, and somebody knock, and it knocks us to our knees, and we're just saying, I'll be all right. Just give me a minute. i got to get my win again. It's not that we don't love God or, or not that we doubt in anything. Our focus has got a little out, and we just can't let that go. You have to stay focused. You've got to come back. And as we say, uh, another rule of thumb, uh, and and pardon me for all these construction (laughs) points, but we always talk about the benchmark. The benchmark is where everything is taken. You've got to come back to a benchmark, and that's why I talk about coming to the house of God. When our focus gets out of blur and then we come back and, and then we come back and everything gets wrong. That's why it's so important to come to the house of God. It brings us back to top dead center, as we would say, as, as a mechanical issue. And it brings us back to our benchmark. It helps our focus. If our focus is blurred, it helps us to come back to this. And that's why he said stay sober and don't let life get too much um, undone. I want to turn we and just have a, a, a thought that hit me in in the book if just read on the screen this is just something that the Lord told uh, Simon he told him it was like this in Luke 22 and 31 he told him the Lord said now get this whenever God repeats something twice you better take notice not only does he tell Simon twice he also says behold In other words, have I got your attention yet? Simon, Simon, behold. Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as sweet. But he said, but I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. Now, but Simon is the one, and he's standing there, and he's telling the Lord, wait a minute. I'm, what do you mean? But I've prayed for thee, if thy faith fail thee not. He says, look, I'm ready to go with you to prison, and I'm ready to go to death. But God said, you're missing the point. Simon, Simon, behold, look at me, listen to me. I'm telling you, I've prayed for you. You're missing it, Simon. And I believe that God could have told him, all you need to do right now It's just withstand the accusation of a little child. 
And you're talking about prison and death. But that's not what it's about. But Simon made it about these big issues. And I would say it's just about life. And he's telling him, he says, look, I'm ready to go to death. I'm ready to go to jail. And the Lord said, this, ain't, this, this is not what this is about. This is about life. And, and it's about like where he's telling him, but God said, I have prayed for thee. And it's like even in when the Lord told through the mouth of Hosea, he said in, in uh, Hosea, he said, I think it was in Hosea 4, it goes on and he says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. But when you keep reading down, he says, Ephraim has joined himself unto idols. Let him alone. You leave him alone, God said. But Peter, I have prayed for you. Ephraim was the collection of the ten tribes. Basically, God said they are under the spell of pagans. For right now, Assyria is fixing to take them over. You leave them alone. So God said, right now, you leave them alone. And Peter, I've prayed for you, though. I've prayed for you. Life is fixing to hit you. It's not this big issue that you're thinking about. It's just a little girl is going to put out an accusation to you, and it's going to trip you up. But that is okay. I've prayed for you. I have prayed for you. So he tells him, and then he says, hope to the end. Your confidence, have confidence to the end. Don't let your confidence be shaken. Other words, if you're like Peter or if you're like basically, and I'm not trying to be rude, but like everyone sitting in this congregation, if you have failed, we have a God that is graceful and is willing to forgive that all you have to do is say, God, forgive me that I have sinned. For let your grace cover me. And he will forgive us. His grace is enduring. So he tells Peter, but I have prayed for thee. And right now, the, the apostle Peter tells us, he says, let your confidence, have your confidence. He says, and then he says, take this, let your confidence be there. And he says, he says, as obedient children in 14, and then he says, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to your former lust in your ignorance. And then he says, in other words, now you know better. Now, as obedient children, in other words, as children of obedience, I would say, not fashioning yourselves to the former lust in your ignorance. Now you know better, I would say. And then he says, but, but look, I want you to just skip back up. I don't know if I give this verse to him. But in the same chapter up in uh, verse 2, if you have your Bible, just look at it. In 1 Peter um, chapter 1, verse 2, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience, and sprinkling of the blood of Christ, grace unto you and peace, be multiplied. Be multiplied. Sprinkling of the blood. Sprinkling of the blood. Now, there was three times in the Old Testament where sprinkling of the blood occurred. The first was when a covenant was formed. The second was when they ordained the priest. And the third was, was for the cleansing of sin and for the cleansing of corruption. Now, we can see all three of them take place in the New Testament. And then he says, and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. And then he says, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. And he says, we have this through Jesus Christ. Regeneration. And really and truly, to me, that's what this Bible is all about. Where Adam went wrong, it's just literally, it's just a regeneration of the mankind, really, to me. And this... I wrote, I literally wrote this down because it is just, to me, it just meant so much. In the Greek, in Matthew, it is rendered this. This is what it means, regeneration. The changes that are produced by the return of spring. And I thought, boy, can we ever relate to that. When we see, when we go through the winter and we see everything so brown, and then we see everything green out. And we see everything turn so green. 
And then we see that regeneration. Could God ever do anything with me? And then we see that God touches us and produces something in us that we think could never be produced in. Literally, that is the regeneration. And he takes them and he says, let your conversation, your course of life, the outward, must correspond to the inward man. I believe that with everything that was in me. You can't just say you've got it. It must be produced on this outside. I believe that with everything that's in me. It must be. It must be. God said, be holy, and he would not give us a command and not give us the ability to carry it out. God will. God will do that. And then people, people today, they just have, they just want to live literally like the Bible talked about in Judges. They just want to do what is right in their own eyes. They just want to take it and do it. I believe it's right. I believe I'm a good person. I'm good within myself. And then, it, it, like I say, it's just, it, there is so many beliefs in, in our land today, it is just unimaginable. It is just, I, I've said behind this pulpit, I know within myself, I don't know a whole lot, but I know it's not God's will for ever how many churches they are across our land. You, keep, you couldn't convince me of that. God gave us one holy word, and it's, it is humanity that has produced all these different churches, denominations throughout the wonderful country that which we live in, and, and that's me. You don't have to buy, join into that if you don't want to. Matthew, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump to Matthew right quick. I want to read something in Matthew. Um, let me get it right quick. Matthew 5, 17. The Lord said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am, I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Now, Jesus said in 27 also, that's what he's telling them in that. I didn't come to destroy the law, I came to fulfill the law. But then he tells them in 27, you have heard that it said by them of old time, you shall not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her <clears throat> already in his heart. So then I believe that the Lord was telling them in the Old Testament, they just applied it to actions. But God said, I'm going further than that. I'm applying it to the heart. So some would say, well, if, I, if it's guilty of the heart, I might as well commit the act. Well, that is totally ridiculous. I believe what God is saying, whether it's in your heart or whether the action, both are a sin. And that's why I believe that God's telling them, this is not only about the outward act, this is about the inner man. Control your inner man, what you think, what you allow to go on in your mind. That's why he said, gird up the loins of your mind. That's why God said it, it would be wrong for you to think such things. It would literally be a sin if you just looked on a person. Or uh, and God, it, Here it quotes a man looking on a woman, but I would just say a person looking on another person. I would carry it that far. But he said I, the Lord has taken it this far, and what I always go back to is why people that tells me that it, it does not matter it does not matter what I do, what I act, and, and just you have to just understand me in the content and what I'm, what I'm speaking. This is why I say that, you, that it really matters how you live. This is what I literally base it on, on this. In the Old Testament, one time a year could the high priest go in, and literally it was labeled, you do it correctly lest you die. One time a year, and it was only the high priest. You could be as holy as you want. You couldn't even get close to it. God wouldn't even allow you even close to the place. Only the high priest. And if he didn't do it correctly, they had to pull him out of there. All right, fast forward to us. God said, okay, if you take your vessel, and if you think I'm going to put my spirit in something, 
and you can think them thoughts in my vessel, you're not thinking right. Because the common denominator between us and the high priest was the Spirit of God. That's what makes it so unique. The high priest could go in and he was with the Spirit. We are in the Spirit. That is why God said when the grace, and I will say it again until I die or God comes, my definition of grace is when I commit a wrong and then I literally have the breath to repent of it. And I am not exaggerating because in the Old Testament, I would not have the breath to repent of. But now, with the Holy Ghost inside of me, if I commit a wrong, then God said, I will give you the space to repent. I can hit my knees and say, God, forgive me. And God is liable by his word. I will give you the space and the grace to repent of it. And he is bound by this word. That is what grace is to me, that he has gave his grace unto us. That's why he said, whoever looketh on a woman to lust out of her has committed adultery already in his heart. It ain't about anymore the outward actions. It's about the inward man now. And, and, and the only reason, it's the only reason it is about why, because that is where my spirit is going to reside, is in your vessel, is in your vessel. That's why it's so unique and so precious is God put his spirit inside of us. That's why he said, that's why, that's why I believe that God said it's not only about the outward man anymore. It's about this inner man because that's what houses my spirit. That's what houses my spirit. Now, now, grace is heaven. Grace is heaven, the ability to repent. Now, we have this. I'm going to jump. I want to jump to Revelation, the sixth chapter. In the sixth chapter of Revelation, six and fifteen. Now, the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and the rocks and the mountains and the mountains and the rocks and said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Now, in our day here, right now in America, we have almost 300 phobias in America. In the English language, you can look up to describe different kind of fears. But interesting enough, there's not one phobia in the English language to describe a fear of lambs. Not one. Not one. And to me, that is just the way America treats our God. We have no fear of you. But right here, they're going to pray and they're going to cry for the rocks to fall on them. Now, that is why I believe Revelation uses, as we would say, this deliberate oxymoron, the great day of his wrath, the wrath of the Lamb has come. And they're praying and they're crying and they want the rocks to fall on them. Now, Jump with me to Revelation 19. 19 and 9. And he said unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. 
and saith unto me, These are true sayings of God. These are the true sayings of God. Now, there's only one person that I believe that we know that knew God better than any person that while he walked this earth, and that was John. John stayed with him. John was with him. John stayed with him. He was with him every day. He stayed with him through the trials. He was the only disciple that stayed with him through the crucifixion, the only apostle that stayed with him. He was one of the inner circles. And still, as good as John knew Jesus, he even wrote the last book of the Gospels. And as much as John knows, Jesus said, but that's not enough. I want you to write more. My people has got to know more. My people only know so much, but they've got to know more, John. And they, they just abandoned John on the Isle of Patmos. It's roughly six miles wide and ten miles long. And it was basically, it would be comparable to us as our Alcatraz, as we know. It was basically marble. It was a place where they put prisoners. They just worked them, basically. Very seldom ever anybody ever went. Basically, he was abandoned there. But this is where God chose to give him this revelation. And he put him on this place. And he told him, the visions I'm going to give you, you write. You pin down for my people. Because I want them to know. I want them to know. Because nowhere, nowhere in Revelation does the Bible ever say the marriage supper of the Son. <laughs> Never. It is the marriage supper of the Lamb. It is about the price that was paid. You put down, you tell my church that I hadn't forgot. In the fifth and sixth chapter, it talks about John weeping because nobody was worthy. He says, wait. The angel put his arm on him and says, wait a minute. There is one worthy. And before the 24 elders, which I believe represents the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles, said, wait. There's one coming. And he is going to open the seals. But before he even opens the seals, he has the golden vials, which is all the, pro all the prophets and stuff that has cried through the, all the years and says, how long, oh God, how long is Babylon going to rule? And they are the golden, they are the prayers of the saints before any seals has been opened. The golden vials are right there, the incense. God says, I want you to know I have collected every one. They have died, but their prayers have not died with them. I have their prayers collected with me. I have them right now before I've ever opened a seal. I have their prayers. The prayers of their incense has not went away. I have them. And John, you write it down. You tell my church their prayers have not went in vain. I have their prayers. And they I have them before I ever open the first seal. And you tell my church the lamb is worthy to open the seals. He is going to open the seals. It is about the price that's been paid. And it's not. And it's not. It is just. The Bible says it was for the joy that was set before him. You tell him that the price that was being paid. It is the marriage supper of the lamb. And it's the price. And you tell him the seven spirits that are gone out. And the seven spirits that are gone out to what? To help us. And they are the spirit of truth, the spirit of holiness, the spirit of faith, wisdom, power, grace, and glory. They are the seven spirits of God that are sent forth to what? To help us, to give us strength, to anoint us, to give us to overcome the mystery of Babylon, to help us overcome the enemy that wars against us each and every day, to give us strength and to help us. And would it surprise you if I told you that every time we come to church, 
we say a word. We say it multiple times of word. And we know that the, the Bible tells us that this scripture, this holy scripture is God breathed, God anointed, God ordained. That I believe we can agree on. But yet God whole, God chose to withhold one word that we say every time we come to church. We say this word. We sing this word every time. But yet... Even at the crucifixion, God withheld this word. He wouldn't even let it be said then. He wouldn't even put it in his word. Through the blood and guts of Revelation 17 and 18, it was only in Revelation 19 that God allowed this word to be written. And it was the great horror was finally dealt with. Babylon, that all the way back to the Tower of Babel, did she have her roots when they said, we know what God said, but we're going to do it our way. And God said, the great whore is finally dealt with. Now you can say hallelujah. Hallelujah. The word that we sing every time we come to church and we say, God said, now I will withhold it through the whole New Testament. But in Revelation 19, I will allow this word to be written. And when the great whore is dealt with once and for all, the Bible says the smoke of her torment will go up forever and ever. The only way to love God is to hate evil. There is no other way to do it. Because I'm telling you, when you find yourself getting too close to the enemy, you're kidding yourself. You've got to look at it through the eyes of revelation. You cannot look at it just how some people does, Jesus in a manger or Jesus on some cross. You can't do that. I believe that's why he gave us revelation. He says, I'm coming back with my eyes a flame of fire. My robe is dipped in blood. The grace is going to be cut off. I'm done. I'm through. I'm coming back to take vengeance on sin. And those that have gave their self to sin, I'm through. I'm done. And God said, I gave that to my people. You cannot let the enemy put fear in you over this book. This book was given to his people, the church, the bride of Christ. This is for us. It is not to scare us or to alarm us. It is to let us let our view be bigger than Jesus hanging on a cross. It is for us to view Jesus as the King of kings and Lord of lords who is going to rule and reign in mining I mean, victorious and he is going to be the one that is going to conquer sin and devil in the flesh and cast the beast in the lake of fire. He's not going to throw them. He is going to cast them in the lake of fire. And he is going to be the one. He is going to accomplish this. So he withheld, hallelujah, the word that we love so much till Revelation 19. And then he said, through inspiration of the Holy Ghost, now, now you can write it. Now you can pin it. Now you can pin it. Mystery Babylon has been dealt with and she will be spoken of no more. Now you can pin it. Now you can pin it. Now you can pin it. Bible tells us in Ephesians 5.27 just as is Adam and Eve I say this is where we get it from when God brought Eve presented her to Adam this is why the father takes his beautiful daughter presents it to the husband I believe that's where we get that from. But look at what Paul said in Ephesians 5.27, that he might present, speaking of the church, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. I'm telling you, God's going to deal with Babylon. All the people that has cried and died thinking, how long, oh God, how long? Their prayers have not went in vain. And as the four and twenty elders held them golden vows, God said, I'm telling you, I've still got them. 
I still got them. I think it's, I've said enough on Genesis that you know that my love for Genesis. But I will tell you this, one thing that has helped me, and I don't know where I'm going to go with this, and speaking of Revelation, and I ask you to just pray for me. But one thing has helped me is what I do. I go read Genesis 1 and 2. And then I go and I read Revelation 21 and 22. Genesis 1 and 2 is what God's design. That's what he wanted it to be. But then take your Bible and just flip slowly. Start at Genesis and just flip slowly. And think what the enemy has cost us. And flip all the way to Revelation 21. And you read at 21 and 22. And not how it's going to be. This is the way it will be. And when I'm reading in Revelation. And my mind just wants to get. Just going in wrong directions. I stop. And I go back to Revelation 1. This this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's all this is about. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. I will not let my mind be scattered. This was given to his church. And with God's help. God's help. I will, with God's help, I will let my view of Jesus get bigger. I will not only view Jesus in a manger or Jesus on a cross. God has dealt with me. Next month will make 33 years for me coming here. And I'm telling you, he has dealt with me in a way like he never has. But I'm telling you, this was given to his church. He is more than we could ever imagine. And he was given, he told John to write, write this down. Give this to my people. I'm coming back. But I'm telling you, when I come back, my grace is going to be over. It's going to be done. I'm coming back to get my church. I'm coming back to the ones that's held on. For the ones that didn't give in. For the ones that was holy and true and righteous. For the ones that believed me. For the ones that wouldn't give in. For the ones that trusted me and loved me. And was pure and holy. And he says that was without spot. and Without blemish. That gave themselves that wouldn't give in, that wouldn't give in. This is Babylon. It's just the world has drank of her fornication. And it says that just has not given to her unbelief and her ways and has just give up and just give in and just has just give over to the world. It's just do what you want, say what you want, believe what you want, and God will forgive you and everything's okay. I'm telling you, God is holy. His word is pure. He hadn't abandoned his church, and in no wise will he ever abandon his church. He is holy and pure and righteous, and he still is the God. But I'm telling you, there's a God. There's a side of him that we don't know. And I'm telling you, if we don't get in revelation, we ourselves are going to be surprised. But there's a passion in me to learn this. I'm telling you. I want to learn it because there's a part of me that don't know. But I want to know with everything that's in me, I want to know this God. 
I want to know with everything that's in me the revelation of Jesus Christ because he give it. He told John, John the beloved, you write this. You write this for my church. You give this to my people. My people needs to know this. And don't let nobody. I'm telling you, there are so many views and beliefs. I mean, you could, my Lord, don't believe nothing on the Internet. I mean, have you believing it? March the 8th at 3 o'clock, God's coming on a spaceship. I'm telling you, people, is just, and I'm not trying to be crazy. I'm just, we live in the real world. I'm telling you, God has, that's why I'm saying, what, I, I don't want to get scattered. If I feel myself getting scattered, I go back to Revelation 1. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The Bible says his spirit is the spirit of truth. He will lead and guide us into all truth. God said, I will no wise turn you away. You cannot seek him that he will turn you away. He won't do it. He won't do it. I love you. And I can only be myself. I can only be myself. I ask you to stand if you would. I ask our musicians that they would come. Hello and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.